Welcome to the NLP Talks podcast, bringing you inspirational stories along with a good dose of potentially life-changing NLP strategies. I'm Laura Evans, multi-award-winning NLP trainer, and I'm on a mission to help you unleash your potential in business and life. I'm so glad you're here. Pull up a chair, listen in, and let's get started on revealing more about this transformational NLP toolkit. Hey, how you doing? I hope you're really well. Thank you so much for tuning in for another episode of the NLP Talks podcast. Today's guest is Jodie Bennett, and she's going to share with you the difference that NLP made for her in her career. Jodie had had a very long, successful career in human resources or people, as it might now be known. She was confident, competent, and very well regarded. And when she came on the NLP practitioner course, she realized that actually there were a couple of things that might have been holding her back. She talks in the episode about how she beat fearing being judged. um, And that led to her putting herself and her team forward for a number of awards, one of which they now have won. She talks about how she has mentored a member of her team. She talks about the role of language in business and the difference that NLP has made there. And one of the most interesting things I think you're going to enjoy is as she shares how she joined her current organization as a head of people and through her ability to influence with great relationships and add strategically to the agenda of the organization, she was very quickly recognized as the people director, firmly part of the executive team. She says some stuff personally too about her fear of wobbly teeth, which I know you're going to love hearing about. But most importantly, she says NLP has allowed her to breathe again and that she feels much more balanced now and present, which is really what many of us would like, right? So let's go across and hear how Jodie started out her career because she didn't start in HR. I had no idea what I wanted to do when I grew up. I, ref- I did what everyone else kind of like explored the different, you know, be a doctor, so all that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. And when it came to do work experience at school, I thought, well, maybe I want to be a nanny. Maybe I want to look after children. So I did some work experience looking after children and quickly realized I don't like children. So that kind of <laughs> ended that career thought process. And then I started at Sainsbury's when I was 16. So um, it gave me a lot of opportunities to do lots of different things. And you learn so many different skills in relation to people management that I then ended up specializing in learning and development, organizational design, and then I did generalist HR. So it kind of, I just fell into it, but I absolutely love it. So tell me a bit about your HR career. Obviously, we're going to come on to talk about NLP because it's an NLP talk you know, podcast. But talk to me about your career kind of prior to coming and discovering NLP and doing some stuff with me. What was it like? I've always been really confident as an HR professional. So I've always had a lot of confidence in my abilities. I've always had fantastic leaders. Whatever job I've done in HR, I've had really good mentors. I've always worked hard. I've kind of delivered my role objectives. I've made mistakes. I've learned from my mistakes, um, but I've I've always yeah I've always loved and had a passion for what I've done, and it's not it's not ever been an element of doubt 
in my mind you know that that's something I've always like it's one of my plates that I spin that I've always had that confidence in I love it. I love it. So what brought you to NLP? Because I'm kind of curious because, you know, obviously I know a little bit about your background and you were hugely successful in your HR career and still to date, which we're going to talk about, but you were hugely successful in your HR career and well-regarded as an HR professional, as you say, hugely competent, confident and all of that stuff. So what brought you to NLP? I'm curious. Yeah, look, in the last few years, we, we've all gone through a lot of change. We've all, you know, with the pandemic, and I know on your podcast that's been raised previously. I think for me, I liken it to a bit of an analogy, which is, you know, when you're on a plane and you go through the safety procedures and they say when the oxygen mask drop, you should put the mask on yourself before you put it on your children. Yep. For me, I was in that place where I was so self-sacrificing that I was putting the oxygen to everyone else rather than myself first, that I had depleted my oxygen levels. And I was at a moment of, I, I need to be able to help myself before I can help anyone else. So I needed to take some time out to focus on me, what I needed to do to make myself an even better person, not just an HR professional. I looked at lots of different therapies. I looked at CBT and things like that. And I thought, actually, no, they're not for me. I don't want to go back through past trauma. I want to focus on the present and the going, you know, moving forward. And and NLP kind of, yeah, just just came about. And um, so I just embraced it and went for it. And it was definitely the right choice. Yeah. And I think you, I think you raised a really interesting point there because I think one of the things, you know, and of course NLP has been used in a the therapeutic context, but one of the things I loved, because obviously when I found N, um, NLP, I was still in my HR career. And what I loved about it was this focus on success and results, as in find other people that are doing things really well and learn mm-hmm. how to replicate them and learn how to focus on being an even better version of yourself. Because I was, you know, as I say, I was an HR manager in 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 NLP. In NLP. No, I was certainly not an HR manager at NLP. I was an NHR. I can't get my words up. An yeah. HR manager, and I was looking to help everyone else. It's really interesting listening to how you just described that because I went on NLP because I wanted to be a better HR manager. I wanted to be a better professional. I wanted to be able to better help other people, be a better leader, be a better coach, and it was all about everyone else. And and I had a realization on my NLP practitioner course that actually. Actually, it wasn't about anyone else. Um, and I'd gone almost for the wrong reason, not because it did help others, but but then it was about me. And all of a sudden I had this light bulb moment on the course and I was like, oh my goodness, this isn't about anyone else. This is about me first. And mm. then I can help other people. So it's really interesting to hear you say that because I can really relate to that. So Let's talk a bit about your NLP training. So you have done um, our certified NLP practitioner course and certified coach course. So you've done the 11 days of training. Um, so tell me, as uh, someone walking into that room at that point in your career, um, looking for what you were looking for, and then you came and found me. <laughs> um, and let's not make it about me. But uh, the NLP stuff, like what did you get out of it? What were kind of some of your light bulb moments um, training with me? That actually you're not alone and a lot of other people in the room feel exactly the same as you do. You're really, actually, people's limiting beliefs are really similar. Um, lack of confidence, you know, you're really not alone. (laughs) 
So that's really reassuring, you know, in the way that you know that you're going on a journey with others. And actually you build really strong bonds with those people that you go on the journey with as well. I think I learned... I learned so much about myself. I learned so much about helping others that I I thought, like I said, yeah, I've always had confidence as a HR professional, but yes. to learn so much more about the pure, you know, how to communicate, really rapport building, the language you use, and you know, the difference between mentoring and coaching and all this. So I learned so many more skills and techniques. I think one of the things, I don't know about you, I'm curious to ask you this, but one of the things I really loved about doing the NLP practitioner course was there was absolutely no expectation on me. And as an HR professional, and in your case, a you know, senior exec within HR, which we'll come on to, you know, there is your job title sometimes goes before you, doesn't it? And then mm. when you're in a room like that, you're just one of lots of people and, and you haven't got to be anything to anyone or be providing solutions as we often do in HR and all those things. You could just be Jodie. Yeah. You could actually just soak up any bits because as, as we've already said, you're super confident, super successful, very competent at what you did. But I don't know about you. I then sat there and went, Oh, oh, I didn't realise I still had that. And, but actually, it doesn't matter because there's no one here that's, you know, that it's going to yeah. impact on my career or anything. I can just be me and I can just get it fixed and no one else is going to be none the wiser. And you come out, new version 2.0, an even more improved version. I don't know. Did you have a similar experience? Definitely. You know, I think you definitely let the mask down because you've got to be yourself. If you're not yourself and if you don't throw yourself into it, you're not going to take anything of value away from the course. And I remember, I remember my first day, and even when we did introductions, I think I cried introducing myself, if you remember. (laughs) I think you might have shed a few leaky eyes moments, yes. (laughs) Yeah, because you've just got this weight of the world fall off your shoulders. Like, I'm I'm going to get something so valuable out of this. I'm going to learn so much about me and I'm going to learn so much about how I can help other people. And yeah, you just have this big release moment. (laughs) I don't know if other people feel like that, but that definitely happened for me. I think you'll find most of us feel like that. (laughs) It's like, finally, it's me time. Finally, I I get to do that. Were there any kind of like light bulb standout moments for you on that course? I'm just wondering. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I I was heightened emotions all the way through that course. And what I love about you, Laura, is that you you, you don't care. Well, you do care, but you don't drill into that the root cause as to why you're so highly emotional or what's happened to put you in that place or anything like that. And I remember it was the second to last day of the practitioner and you went, Jodie, can I just kind of talk to you about something? And I remember I stand inside and you went, do you think you may fear rejection? And I was like, do you remember, Laura? And I just went... I do, actually. I'd completely forgotten. Yes. Yeah. I just went, oh, my God, absolutely. That... That's, that's my light bulb moment. It was like, that, that's completely, that, that was what it is. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. I love it. It's, it's interesting because you say about, you know, not drilling into things. I think, I don't know about you, but it was one of the things I loved about NLP because I was really worried that doing a practitioner course, that people would be asking me lots of questions about my past. And I didn't want to talk about it, you know, like just leave mm. it where it is. I'm not interested in any of that, you know. And, and actually, I love the fact 
that you know you could deal with some of these issues without having to go through all of that stuff because as as you know as corporate people professional people now that's not what we're used to doing like we don't yeah. go into lots of detail like you don't ever get asked about any of that it's all the kind of corporate stuff and and it suited me brilliantly and and this idea that NLP is content free hugely appealed to me and um, it's interesting that you've picked up on this on a similar theme but yes I do remember that moment actually it's coming back to me now I'd completely forgotten but yes you'd been doing some stuff all week hadn't you and we were towards the end of it and I don't know why intuitively or whatever I just picked up on this thing and, and I do I remember said Josie come over a minute <laughs> and I and I asked you so tell us a bit more then about this fear of being rejected or fear of being judged like how did that typically play out in your career and and perhaps how is it now now we a discovered it was an issue and b dealt with it like Mm. give everybody a bit of a feel for how that that plays out for you in your career yeah I think so so previously you know it's um that fear of rejection could stem in, in many different walks of life but it's that question that we all ask ourselves of you know what if someone doesn't like me or what if someone judges me or has an opinion on me? And I would never do anything that put myself on a platform to bring attention to myself in a wide audience. So prior to NLP, I would never have done this. You know, yes, I'm confident in my abilities as a professional, but I'd never put myself on a podcast for other HR professionals to judge me or anyone. But now having done NLP... An example I could give is um, I've been in my current role for 11 months now. In that 11 months with a brand new people team, we have put ourselves forward for three HR and hospitality awards, of which we were finalists in all three categories. And we were winners in one of the categories for excellence in promoting careers. I know. I would never have put myself or my team on that platform of being judged or rejected going back to that that light bulb moment. But now, yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. Oh, no. have have you have you got the award for those of you watching us as we're recording this live? I'm sorry, those of you listening to the podcast. Oh, my God, that's beautiful, beautiful crystal trophy that you've got there. I love it. I love it. I'm really sorry, those of you listening to the actual podcast um, won't have seen that, but just trust me, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful trophy. Um, but I think you're right. I think awards are an interesting thing, aren't they? Because you know, you you. When you when you basically put yourself forward for something and you say, here's a project that we have, here is something we've delivered in our business, or here's something that I've personally led, or here's something I have personal investment in, there is, you know, there is this fear that, you know, actually you know that it's amazing and you know what you've delivered, but will someone else see that? And like mm. you say, worst still, someone rejecting you as in not even shortlisting you. Exactly. And, and that and I just think you you've hit on a really interesting point because so many people stop themselves putting themselves forward and therefore don't get that warm, lovely, fuzzy feeling when someone says, actually, do you know, we think what you've done is amazing. So much so, here's an award. Like people deny themselves the opportunity of having that moment because of the fear of them actually being rejected or them mm. actually being told no. And so it stops people, doesn't it? It stops them. It like you can't get the re- award because you're too fearful that actually someone might say no. And I just think yeah. you're absolutely right. 
we we actually went one step further. So, you know, when you do awards, you're promoting yourself and your team and what you've delivered. We actually, after getting the award, we actually went one step further and did a mass colleague engagement survey with our business where our colleagues, our actual teams told us what it's like to be um, working um, and if we were a great place to work. And since then, we've actually got best companies accreditation as well, based on our own team's feedback. So it's kind of a double whammy. And to, and yeah, to think what's been achieved in the 11 months, I'm incredibly proud. Oh my God. And so quite rightly, quite <laughs> rightly, award-winning team, award-winning function, award-winning leader of the function. <laughs> now, I just want to and ask you, while we're, we're kind of on that subject, so you, you mentioned you've been with your current organisation for 11 months. And I know during that time, um, you know, you've been recognised as a leader and exec within that organisation. And as you and I both know, you know, uh, you know, some organisations are very good at saying that people are important to them. But actually, when it yeah. comes to being in the organisation, you'd have this rude awakening where people kind of you realize actually people are not that important and in this particular organization you had I think quite a different experience if if I'm right and I'm just wondering because obviously you've you've been so successful I know um within your career just in these 11 months with them and you know and have have had you know changes to your job title and so forth so Mm. I know a lot of HR professionals will listen to this podcast episode. So I'm just curious, like share with everybody, if you would, that journey and Mm. and how you have managed to go from being the head of people to the people director, because that's quite Mm. a a step up in a lot of people's eyes. And how did you do that in such a short period of time? I think a lot of it definitely came from NLP and my impact and influence. Um, so yeah, in my previous role, I was a head of people and I started with my current company as a head of people. And I something I'd noticed, and I don't know if other people can relate to this, but when you look at exec leadership teams, you'll often have a lot of directors, a managing director, an operations director, a, a finance director. But often when it comes to people, they're head of people or head of HR. And it's exactly that. If if you're working for a business that truly values their people and put their people first, why wouldn't the person in the exec team leading that function sit alongside the other directors within the leadership team? And fortunately, I, I report into a CEO that absolutely sees the value and what I add to the business and gave me that title to reflect the job that I deliver. So, yeah, that's how I got there. <laughs> oh, amazing, amazing. And I just think it's it's a testament to, to, A, obviously your professional skill and your ability to be an amazing HR professional. But as you say, this this getting the recognition from a CEO of an organization that actually what you do is strategically important yeah. and actually it deserves to be around the exec table alongside all those other directors you know because you know I've been on organizations like like you say where the head of people reports to the ops director for example or the head of people reports to the finance director mm-hmm. or the head of people reports to the MD but they're still a head of people and and there's mm-hmm. a lot of other heads of function and 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 it and it just enables you, doesn't it, to be so much more influential when you can actually yeah. be in the exec team and be driving that. 
it's amazing to hear that NLP has played a role because I think it's be interesting for people listening to the podcast because we have so many coaches and I love all our coaches on our, on our, on our, in our community. They're absolutely amazing. You're not a coach in the sense that you're not running a coaching business or anything else. And you've taken the NLP skills and applied them in a professional capacity, you know, and really used them to, to influence a business, to, uh, you know, to elevate yourself. And I just think that's, that's just amazing. It's just amazing. I, I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm so proud. Uh, I had just like a little smidge in, a, a little little smidge in there of giving you a few extra tools, a few extra bits just to complement what you already had. Um, Thank you. you know, and there'll be a lot of HR people that will hugely admire you for that. I know. I know if I was back in HR, I would absolutely hugely admire your ability to do that to really raise that agenda and and to do that because like you know we talk about like influence in an organization and there are so many facets to that aren't there Mm -hmm. like you know how you know how do you you know go about influencing an agenda of an organization and influence the ceo to see people as being strategic and you know and i know you've talked previously about um perhaps that shift in yourself around perhaps moving from being maybe more solution focused to being more challenging and and those things. I just wonder, could you share a little bit more about, you know, maybe some of the detail about some of the NLP skills and how you saw that play out in your role? Yeah, I think, you know, my, my role is all about people. So you do have to have the skills of building rapport I mean, it's an open door. People need to be able to talk to me. And, you know, I need to have active listening skills as well. Yeah, so definitely building that rapport, the collaborative approach to everything I do. I don't work in silo. My my team don't work in silo. We work with all areas of the business to achieve that unified goal. So we're all working towards the same thing. And I think as well, one of my values is do what matters most. So I ask the question why a lot more now. I don't try and solutionize, oh, we need to do this and we need to do that. And it will just be about my thoughts. It's about asking our teams, what do we need to do differently? And and the why. And actually, it's a lot easier to get people on board if they're the ones coming up with the ideas and they're the ones suggesting the business case and they're the ones coming up with the whys (laughs) and you're supporting that delivery. So I hope that kind of answers the question. Yes, absolutely. It does. No, absolutely. It does. Like you say, rapport, great relationships, influencing, and perhaps a a slightly different shift in mindset at times when needed to help you do that. The language, the language that I use when I communicate, I used to use but a lot. I didn't realise until after NLP, when I'm writing comms, I'm like, but, but, all the time, or try. It's like, no, don't try. Just do it. <laughs> um, and, then, and don't. It's like, so all those negative connotations. Yeah, I didn't realise how often I wrote them. Um, so I'm yeah. definitely in all my communications, I, I definitely go back through and I try and do the, you know, does that suit a visual person? Does that suit an auditory person? And, and kind of go through those representation systems to make sure that I am bringing everyone on the journey with me and kind of, yeah, engaging everyone. 
Oh, amazing, amazing. I'm so pleased to hear. So the things that Jody was just talking about, just kind of, if I kind of just explain for those people that, that perhaps are not aware, one of the things that we talk about on the practitioner course is an introduction to language. We cover it much more so on master prac, but on, uh, on prac, we start to really explore how your language is either getting in the way of your message or is supporting your message. And this regular listeners of the podcast will will have heard me talk before about the power of the word but and try, which are the two that Jody just mentioned. So just to recap, um, in linguistic terms, but is what we call a negation and it deletes everything that comes before it. So um, if we talk about it in the context of giving feedback, I might say to someone, that's a great presentation, but there are some things to improve. Now, the problem is the unconscious mind treats a but as a delete button, essentially. So when I say that's a great presentation, but there's things to improve, I've basically deleted that was a great presentation and the person is just left looking at there's things I need to be improved. And depending on how they interpret that, if they've got confidence issues or they have self-doubt or they have some things, their mind will process that in a way, maybe limiting beliefs, process it in a way that perhaps that's critical of them and they don't even hear the positive stuff. But we we use but all the time um, in our comms if we're not mindful of it. And I always say to people, if you can take the word but out and maybe replace it with the word and, which is what we call a conjunction, it brings two things together, then people actually hear that was a great presentation and there are things to improve. But as Jodie was just saying, the first thing is starting to do the awareness piece, which is, oh my goodness, how often did I write it? And Jodie, I was exactly the same. There was but everywhere in everything I wrote. I was like, oh my goodness, what am I doing? I'm, I'm really causing myself a problem here. And um, But it's brilliant when you start to see the changes. Um, now, the word try is also one that Jodie just mentioned. So for those of you that aren't aware, the word try to the unconscious mind implies the possibility of failure. So when you say to someone, well, try for the promotion, you're we're actually planting the seed of that, that they might not get it. And you're much better off instead of saying try for the promotion, just say go for it because you will put them on a much better path to taking action and getting the result that they want. And they're just two words that we cover um, on the practitioner course. So yeah, and then Jody just mentioned there, the rep systems, they, they were a game changer for me in HR, absolute game changer, yeah. because we all have a preference in our language. So I'm kinesthetic, so I would always write any uh, staff comms or emails or, or anything like that. I'd write it in a kinesthetic way because that's how I talk. That's me. And if the person receiving it is also kinesthetic, then then that's going to land really well. But if they're not, and they're a visual person, an auditory person, or what we call an auditory digital person, so there's four preferences, that's not going to land as well. You know, and I would say to people on the practitioner course, you know, wherever possible with your comms, one-to-one emails, phone calls, workshops, trainings, meetings, I mean, you name it. If you can actually draw all four rep systems into your comms, then all of a sudden it lands better for everyone. Now, an example of that might be in a redundancy situation because I, you know, in HR, I used to run a lot of redundancies. It's kind of almost the downside of the role we do, but there we are. You know, and I might, you know, if you just listen to this sentence, so if I said to someone, I really want to make sure by the end of the day, you understand what the new structure looks like. Someone will speak with you and make sure that you have an opportunity to speak to them. Um, you'll know whether or not you're impacted by the end of the day. And if you are, we're here to support you. 
in that one sentence, I've covered all four systems. And this is how elegant you can be with your comms when you understand um, how to appeal to everyone. So I just thought, sorry, Jodie, to kind of just take over, but I just thought, given you'd mentioned them, it was useful just for the listeners on the podcast to actually hear, um, you know, the real value that sits behind those things. So, um, yeah, and I'm just delighted that you've seen such a difference, you know, being aware of that. It's like one of those little nuggets, isn't it? That you kind of, it's a throwaway little like two minute thing on a prat course. Um, and then all of a sudden you go, oh, actually, this makes a big difference. Yeah, uh, definitely. <laughs> um, so obviously you've got a new brand new people team that you're leading um, 11 months in. And I'm wondering, is there an example perhaps you could share with everyone of how you have been using your skills to perhaps coach and mentor your team? And, and have you seen any benefit there? Yes, he's going to be delighted that we're about to talk about him, Laura. <laughs> You probably oh, sniggering now. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Who is it? <laughs> so Ethan. So Ethan joined me at the same time. Um, he already worked for the company. He was a manager in one of our brew pubs. And um, he came across to be brand trainer um, at the same time as I joined. Um, and I've mentored Ethan over the last 11 months. And in that time, the growth and his output and his confidence and his behaviours has been superb to the point where um, he was actually one of our finalists for HR Rising Star at the HR and Hospitality Awards. Yeah. Congratulations, um, Ethan, if you're (laughs) hearing or watching this. (laughs) He's um, been promoted to Learning and Development Partner. um, And he actually attended your two-day coaching diploma course, which he absolutely loved. He's a big fan. So, uh, yes. So, oh. Ethan, I, I love I loved it. I loved having you on the course, Ethan. It was amazing. Um and and he's such a I love absolutely loved him. I'll say no more. Um and he the was other amazing. day actually. The other day I asked him for some feedback and he, he, he wasn't comfortable. You could see he wasn't giving comfortable giving it. I was like, come on, just give me something real opportunity I need to work on. Um and he said, <laughs> Well, actually I've learned it's not just one cup of coffee, but it's two cups of coffee. I, I can't <laughs> approach you before two cups of coffee. <laughs> And I was like, you know what, I take that on board. I clearly <laughs> get up earlier, drink more coffee first. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, at least, Ethan, you've worked out how to get the best out of your boss, um, <laughs> which is uh, which is which is brilliant. Um, and, and yeah, huge congratulations, Ethan, on your uh, being a finalist in the Rising Star. And huge congratulations to you, Jodie, for, you know, that piece of development and what you've done with him. You know, and it is lovely when, you know, um, uh, you know, we get situations like this where, um, you know, senior leaders in organizations come on and do the training with us. And then they spot people in their team that they go, actually, do you know what? Um, this would be really good for this mm. person. And, and NLP isn't for everyone. I mean, I'm always very clear about that. It isn't for everyone. Um, you know, you've got to want to learn. You've got to want to perhaps change your outlooks on things and acquire things. And and I always say to people, you're not going to love everything I teach you either. But what you do need to do is take, I don't need to to do anything, but I would encourage you to take from any course you do with me, all the things that are relevant to you and your role and what you do and, and implement them. So yeah, it's a shame. We should have got Ethan on as well, so he could have shared his his thing as well. Um, but yeah, so yeah, what an, what an accolade, what an accolade. So Jodie, 
obviously you did the 11 days training with me and yeah. and and you clearly have had massive success in the 11 months that you have been in your role both personally for your team for the organization you work in you know an example of someone you developed in Ethan like that's absolutely amazing and if we go back to the beginning of this podcast where we were talking about you needing to put your oxygen mask on first and taking a bit of me time talking to you as Jody now as yeah. opposed to perhaps the people director of an organization <laughs> what is life like for you now as Jody the person um yeah. you know having done all of this training I would say I'm a far more balanced person I think prior to NLP I probably had a little bit of an addictive personality in the sense that I threw myself so much into something I enjoyed so much that are a detriment to other areas of my life. Um, so I'm definitely far more balanced. I'm I'm calmer and more considered in what I do, and I would definitely say I'm more present. So I'm like I am so much more present in what I'm doing in that moment. So right now I'm present. I'm here. Then it will be back to work this afternoon. But when it comes to this evening, it's all about my boys. It's my boy time. And when I'm with my children, they're my priority. That That's what I'm at the moment I'm present in. So, yeah, I definitely, like I say, finding the better balance. Um, I'm also 10 pounds heavier, which I say I'm 10 pounds heavier of happiness. That's 10 pounds of happiness. <laughs> um, I'm down to good pub food. Um, <laughs> Brilliant. Um, but yeah, I would I would say, um, well, you saw me, Laura, a year ago to now. I'm smiley. I am happy. I am in a good place. And thank you, because so much of that is down to you. So thank you. Very oh, much. Thank you so much. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's always I love getting people on the podcast as regular listeners will know, because I, I remember, as you say, I remember what you were like when you arrived on day one of that Pratt course and to hear of your successes uh, professionally and also to hear the benefits to you personally of being more present and more balanced mm-hmm. is just amazing. You know, it was it's interesting because a lot of our students do talk about that. Perhaps present is not the word that they might use, but it's that thing of of being able to control that internal chatter because life is just so busy, isn't it, for all of us. And when you're at work, you're worrying about the boys. And when you're with the boys, you're worrying about work. And yeah. when are you supposed to get you time? And when are you going to supposed to be Jodie the professional or Jodie the wife or, you know, and all of those things. And, and I think you're right. I think it ruins a lot of moments for a lot of people because people are not present uh, you know and we're all guilty of that listen I'm not perfect I mean I, I I still have moments where you know your head just is so full but thankfully mm. they're fleeting moments now and the majority of the time people like yourself like me like all of our other students do talk about this point of actually there's more joy in my life I'm more present I'm calmer I'm more balanced all the things you just said which I just think is just wonderful for quality of life as well as anything else. I remember just, I mean, this is nothing to do with the work, but I need to ask you. So I remember on your practitioner course, we ran the fast phobia model on a problem which you had to do with wobbly teeth, <laughs> which will make, will make a few people chuckle, I'm sure. So Jodie, could I just get you to share the wobbly tooth story? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we were doing the fast phobias model. And um, so 
I had children relatively late. I was 35 when I had my first Stanley. Um, and I was like, do, at one point, I was like, do I really want children? And the reason I wasn't sure if I really wanted children is because I was terrified of them getting wobbly teeth. Um, I don't know whether it's, I can't remember. I don't know if it's because of my experience when I was younger, but absolutely terrified of wobbly teeth to the point where I said to my husband, we're going to have to send them to the grandparents during the time they have wobbly teeth because I can't deal with it. I just won't be able to and so, yes, so um, when it came to doing the fast phobia model and we did wobbly teeth, we couldn't tell straight away if it worked or not because you can't just look around the room and go, okay, who's got a wobbly tooth? <laughs> um, so it, it's taken a while for me to actually see if, if the model works. And um, this is a little bit creepy, but I've done this just for the purpose of this. So in here yeah. is my son's teeth. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Now, for the They're purpose saying, of the podcast... Though, She's she's showing us a tiny little box with beautiful crystals on the top. And so Stanley's teeth that have fallen out are in that box and you have it on yes. your desk. Well, like, yeah, but they're, they're at a distance. And I mean, I don't look at them and they're not like a shrine or anything. No. But it just, it's just for me to remind me of how well NLP works. And if you put your, your mind in that right place, and I mean, I don't, you know, Stanley has a lots of wobbly teeth at the moment, and I'm not there like grabbing his face saying, show me, show me, but I'm accepting of it. I don't need to give him away now. <laughs> I love it. I love the fact you're not sending your children away. <laughs> oh, love them. Um, but it's but it's true. And sometimes it's those little things mm. that you kind of go, oh my goodness, I've got two boys. At some point, they're going to lose all their teeth. And yeah. that could have been something really really stressful for you and actually you know now you're like okay well it's kind of, I want to say kind of matter of fact isn't it it's just like okay mm. well they've got wobbly tooth and it's going to fall out and that's okay and you know and I think that's one of the things the fast phobia model is great for like it doesn't take something that someone's really scared of and makes them love it it's like you say I mean you're not going oh where's the next wobbly teeth you know no. that's not the point the point is that it takes something that used to cause you that problem and now makes it manageable now it makes it okay it's fine I can do with this and 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 yeah and I know you don't normally have them on your desk um just for, for transparency you just put them upstairs to show me because we're doing the podcast but um, but yeah but this is just amazing it's just yeah it's, it's uh, the, the changes in you personally and professionally like uh, it's just phenomenal um so phenomenal and thank you so much uh, for coming on the podcast to, to come and share your stories uh, with everybody because they're just brilliant thank I just you. love them um, Thank you. Now, if it's okay with you, I'd like to ask you a, f- a few quick fire questions. Now, Jodie's not aware that I'm going to do this because um, this was not part of the plan. <laughs> so it's a bit like, oh my goodness, what are you going to say to me, Laura? But I'm going to ask you a few questions, if that's okay, just uh, to kind of start to get towards the end of the podcast. Are you up for that? Go for it. Go for it. The old Jodie said that. She'd have gone, <laughs> oh my goodness, what are you doing? Why um, didn't you prepare so, me? <laughs> see you again. I would have said, why didn't you prepare me? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. She's like, yeah, whatever. So there will probably be some people, Jodie, that listen to this podcast who are maybe considering an HR career, are maybe at the early part of their HR career, um, all looking to, to get progression like you have. And I just wanted to pause to ask you for your kind of pearl of wisdom, because if someone's listening to this podcast and they are looking to get into HR or they're looking to progress their career in HR, doing something similar maybe to yourself, what would your kind of top tips be for them? Um, what kind of things would you suggest? I'd probably say understand your purpose. So HR covers lots of 
different work streams. And for me, I'm more people focused in the sense that I like focusing on a company's culture, the values, the vision, the behaviours, how you make it a fun and great place to work for people. So I that's what motivates me. That's what inspires and gets me up every day, focusing on those kind of work streams. I still have a great understanding of employment legislation and recruitment, um, but it's understanding exactly what what you enjoy the most. Because I, I personally, just with those examples, I think there is a, a little bit of a difference between HR and people. And I okay. would definitely put myself in the people camp based on the examples I just gave. I'd also say really consider the industry in which you want to be an HR professional. I've only worked in hospitality and retail. I love those industries because they're fast-paced, they're customer-focused, there's remote management, there's multi-site, big numbers. That's what really kind of, um, yeah, gets me going. But, you know, legal might be or finance might be what interests someone else. So really understand the type of industry you want to be an HR professional in as well. Amazing. Such sage advice, pearls of wisdom. <laughs> so thank you. Okay, so let's do let's do a few fun things. So if you were going to be on a desert island all on yourself and you could by yourself and you could only take one thing, what would you take? One. I'm not letting you have any more than one. You can only take one thing. I can't say my family. <laughs> No, no. I mean, like, 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 no, you're on, let's go hypothetically. You're on a desert island on your own. What's the one thing you would take? Oh, can I be shallow and say something like Botox? (laughs) (laughs) You absolutely can. I love it. I love it. Brilliant. I value so much more in life than Botox, I promise. Absolutely. I know you do. I know you do. That's a good fun answer though. Okay. So if you could have anything written on a billboard, what would you have written on a billboard? Oh, as Jodie now, I don't want the professional answer. As Jodie, what would you have written on the billboard? I would say, oh God, this is a bit deep. Hurt people, hurt people. So less judgment, more kindness. Love it. Absolutely, absolutely love it. (laughs) If you could have coffee with one historical person, who would you choose? Oh, does it have to be a famous historical person or is it someone no. who's no longer with us? Okay, today? you can have anyone. Anyone. If you can have coffee with anyone, go on. Who would you have coffee with? Probably my dad. He passed oh, away when I, I was 23. So I'd probably want to have that moment coffee again. Coffee with it. I love it. Three heat sugars he'd have. <laughs> I love it. Brilliant. Brilliant. So reflecting on your experience of training with us here at Unleash Your Potential, if you could pick one word to encapsulate your experience of training with us, at what word would you use? I'd say powerful. Good. Love it. Can I love say it. one other thing, though? Oh, go and on, go on. Everybody always does this. They're like, but I want to say something else. <laughs> I would say it's a triangle, though. In the Mm -hmm. sense of, yes, you've got NLP, but if you're going to do NLP, do it with Unleash Your Potential and do it with Laura, because that's what makes it powerful, that triangle. Oh, that's so kind. Thank you so much. I love it. I love it. And final question. If you could go back to your 18-year-old self and give yourself one pearl of advice, what would you say to her? I would say, say no more. Say no. Yes. 
oh my goodness, we could all do with doing that, right? We yeah. all could do with that. Oh, Josie, I can't thank you enough for your time. I know you are super, super busy um, and I can't thank you enough for giving me um, your time. It has been so lovely to be here chatting to you, hearing about that you know your career and to hear about what it's done for you personally um and I'm so glad our paths crossed um and I had the pleasure of meeting you and having you on the course and thank you for being such an open book today and sharing all of that with everybody so huge huge gratitude to you so thank you thank you so much it's I've loved it absolutely loved it so I encourage anyone that gets the opportunity to just jump in and do it it's great Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, Phil Hanyan was, was, I don't think you know Phil, uh, Jodie, but Phil's one of our other students. It's just a great podcast, ladies. So uh, oh, Phil, thank you I so much. I actually watched Oh, did Phil's, you? Yeah, likewise. Thank you, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Well, just a final few things from me then. So thank you as always to all of the people that tune into our podcast. Um, this podcast would not exist um, without our amazing community, which of course includes Jodie and of course our amazing listeners. So thank you for continuing to tune in and listen to the podcast. I hugely, hugely appreciate every single one of you that listens to the podcast. If you haven't left us a review on the podcast, I would really love it if you would take a few minutes to do that. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, whether it be on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or any of the other major platforms, I'd really appreciate anybody leaving us a review um, and letting us know what you think about the podcast. Um, That would mean an awful lot to me. Um, So thank you in advance for doing that. And finally, if you have enjoyed listening to uh, Jodie's podcast today and you want to find out more about doing the NLP practitioner course and certified coach course, which is what Jodie has done so far, and uh, you want to find out more, then please do head on over to our website, www.unleashyourpotential.org.uk and we would love to welcome you onto either one of our online Zoom courses or, of course, to come and meet in person in Cardiff. So thank you all. Take care of yourself. And I look forward to uh, seeing you. Well, no, not virtually, but being here. That's probably better. Being here with everybody again on the next episode of the NLP Talks podcast.